Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And today we are talking about Mr. Miracle number eight, The Battle of the Id. I love this. <laughs> There's Good so much to dig into. It starts right out with your favorite big Barda. You know what? Barda is the star of this comic. It should be called Mrs. Miracle or something. I don't know. <laughs> Miss, Ms. Barda. Yeah, yeah, Ms. Barda. That's probably it. That's what the it. comic opens with Barda just like destroying some of the apocalyptic guards, literally just twisting metal around all their heads and stuff. Like yeah. she's just the toughest, nastiest, most vicious woman. I just love her. Well, it's um, you know, like I just recently heard like an interview with like an old cartoonist, you know, Ron Friends or something. He was saying that like one of the reasons comics was big because in movies you couldn't do these things now we have the technology to show these things this page and specifically i see this being done in movies now and that like the, the opening scene is she's just going through like each one of those and just beating the crap out of them you know like just and then that's where the opening of the movie is or the opening of the show it's like badass like her kicking butt whereas then you could do that now and back then the only way to see it was in the comics well, that's absolutely true with the Kirby comics, especially. Oh, yeah, and yeah. We're like, there's just no way you could, even now, like, to produce something like, like an ordinary issue of Mr. Miracle would be so incredibly expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let alone, like, you flip the page and there's, like, 14 Furies on the next page as Barta walks into their headquarters. And they're all fighting and they're all doing something different. Like, the... Pages two and three, which is this amazing two-page spread, is just so full of energy and character. And it just feels like it's bursting at the seams off the corners of the page. I wonder who owns this page. This is such a cool page. I'm so jealous of whoever owns this page. It's like, just, uh, I mean, here's another thing about, like, showing, like, Apocalypse. Women have equality. I mean, nobody is really equal to dark side, but like women are like, they're the warriors of, of apocalypse. Like, it's actually a better place to live than. It's always it's. This has been my argument every episode <laughs> we talk yeah. about episode since actually we started talking about new gods. It's just like it doesn't seem like it's that. I mean, it's battle. Like everybody's a soldier, right? It, it kind of um. For to me, it likens it to like maybe the way Soviet Union was perceived in the 70s, where like women and men were enlisted in the military, whereas in the US, it's just really men going to the military. Um, so, but this is, these are badasses. Like, and Barta is the biggest badass of them all. I mean, you wouldn't want to be one of the people working in the pit that we, that we are told to pity later on. Or one of the creatures of the id. We would want to be one of them. But to be a warrior in Apocalypse? Yeah, you like have a high honor. And it's all women. Granny Goodness with Kanto and Vermin Wunderbar. Like, she respects them. She she treats them as equals. And they are, like, these complicated people. Mm -hmm. If you're in a certain caste, I guess, in the Apocalyptic world, like, life is pretty decent. Oh, I guess you're right. If you're a warrior, yeah. It's just funny how, like, Big Barda, and what's her, 
uh, what's her crew's name? Furies. The yeah, the Furies are sometimes the female Furies. To me, it seems like they're like the most formidable soldiers in in all of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. They're like the Green Berets or like the Navy Seals. And then because they're not, they don't have a leader. They're just going crazy and infighting. It's pretty cool. I I like that that page. I love how Kirby draws all of them different too. They have different costumes. Their faces are all different. It's pretty clear they all have different abilities and attitudes. Uh, like they're all wearing different clothes. Like the boots on the one woman, uh, the the woman on the right hand page are so interesting and complicated and on the left hand page she's all dressed in leather and she's got that death thing and her giant hair i mean everything about these women is diverse and interesting and complicated yeah just threw so much into this little throwaway moment i like their names too like lashina like lash (laughs) and like mad harriet bernadette I like, uh, there's a, so my favorite character, I don't know if you saw my, what my title, my handle is in this chat. My favorite uh, theory is uh, Guillotina. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Like, I I would want to read a story featuring any of these characters. Well, there is a, supposedly there isn't, I tried to read it. There is a one out about the theories. recently um so I'm, I'm actually in the midst i think i read the first issue they don't usually show all the furies though that's true you're right yeah i would like, love to yeah, i want to know more about this woman in green with with the cape holding the gun and the mug or whatever yeah no i would love to see like a battalion like utina in the back cleaning her gun yeah <laughs> oh yeah the green one too yeah yeah that's funny. Yeah, there should be more. This is great stuff. But then Barda comes in and she takes charge of them all. Yep. No one messes with Barda. I like when she just tosses them around like they're just mm-hmm. rag dolls. I wouldn't want to work in Section Zero, though. What? <laughs> Fighting off those little beasts in the water and stuff? Yeah, that's a... That's a great visual too, like walking over this this place that has all these like beasts in it who are suffering. Mm-hmm. You just see the hands reaching up, mm-hmm. and the faces that look like they're burning in the living hell, as Kirby says it. Oh yeah. Like what a horrible, horrible existence for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What overwhelming despair must drive the wretches who must live out their lives down here. It looks like Scott has empathy for them, too, in that panel. Like, he's generally seems to feel bad for them. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. I think the, that, the big part was uh, another thing I wanted to mention, like, getting past that and getting into the id or, like, the, the big monster lump, mm-hmm. is that this reminds me of the uh, the Matrix they're essentially fighting in the Matrix, right? They get hooked up like the Matrix and they battle in the mind. Yeah. And in fact, I don't know how much, how Matrix was influenced by this. I'm, people say like Matrix was really influenced by the Invisibles. Like they actually stole the plot and stuff. 
but really the whole part about like battling of the minds like you know i know kung fu you know like that kind of stuff is like that's basically this like that's mr miracle battling the lump in their mind and all the resizing and all the kind of almost abstract actions they have yeah it's a strange battle because we've we've seen Scott escape physical threats, but not inside his own head. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. the shared world they're in together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredibly dynamic sequence, of course, because it's Kirby, but it feels so strange. Mm-hmm. It's like nothing we've seen before in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot in this book. There's also you. We get to see Tigra, mm-hmm. Orion's mom, which is like, you know, I think up until now I thought she was dead, and then you kind of get the idea that she's refined too. She's not as evil as you would think she would be, because there's a scene where um, I think it's on page 18, where she's all like. She's all like, how far has this kingdom fallen that such degrading combat should be tolerated? Right. She represents an old way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. angry that Darkseid has destroyed what she believed in. She'll even fight for it. Yeah. She even helps uh, Barda when somebody tries to shoot her. Right. Yeah, that little scene on page 10 where she unmasks. Yeah. Like that, the face that's the dramatic entry, and also the face that Kirby draws on panel four for her. That's so, that's such an interesting, complicated face. She's angry and sad and prideful all at the same time. She's also older than we would remember her from New Gods, and also inked by Royer instead of Coletta. So there's less feminine, feminine, there's less femininity in her. Yeah, she looks like she's older. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And she's seen a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. But she still has those fangs. Yeah, she's still got her fangs. And they just set her up so well, too. She's the infamous mystery prisoner of Section Zero. Oh, uh, why did they bring her out? Just for, just for the reveal, I guess? <laughs> I think so. It's, well, she says a little bit that she's lonely. It's interesting. She lives in a upholster cell, apparently all by herself. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of what's torturing her emotionally too, make her want to get out of there. She's wow. of high rank but bears the status of non-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why Granny brings her out. Do you, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's int- maybe they're just moving her, and then she's like, "Hey, check this. Check what, what we're doing." I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure it's because Kirby just wanted to show her, because like she has no direct relationship with Scott. She obviously has one with Orion. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it's a big ceremonial event, because she brings in, you know, Wunderbar. I mean, her son was exchanged for this person they just killed, right? I get the feeling it's like this big show that Granny Goodness is putting on. That she wants to invite everyone because she wants to show off everything that she's doing. Mm -hmm. Look at me. I'm I'm like a star here. I'm I'm torturing. I'm being a great apocalyptin. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's a dramatic entrance. And I'm not sure if we see her Tiger much more, but 
the way Kirby shows her, it's like she is another uh, interesting character, another interesting female character. Yeah, and this this whole issue is full of like interesting female characters. We never uh, quite know Brent. what happens to her this after she holds off the gun either. Well, I mean, that's a question for me. Like, I don't know if we want to go deep or start talking about before some of the other things that happened that were interesting. But at the end, when they ride off into the sunset, I'm like, what happened to her soldiers? And what happens to all the people that fought for them? Like, are all the theories going to go to prison or something? Or because the rebellion or that's expected of them or what? Well, and I think we don't find out the next issue because the next issue is the story of young Scott Free, the Hyman story. So, yeah, we don't know. Maybe it's another abandoned story by Kirby. I think there's so many abandoned stories by Kirby. You know what I think it could be? Well, we'll find out, I guess. We got so many issues left. We got like 10 issues almost left after this. Yeah, but after 11, it goes off into a different world. It's a different kind of comic. Oh, like Shiloh Norman? Yeah, it's a lot more focused on Earth. Yeah, this is a... I did have some other things to mention. I think the Matrix one is uh, something that's really interesting to me, that, like, Matrix borrows a lot of ideas from the battle between it and uh, Mr. Miracle. Of uh, Bardo's battle cry, you know, on page four. Um... He's like, don't let me cool your battle fever. We're going to fight tonight. We're going to attack and invade Section Zero. I love, these are some of the parts that I love. I love Tigra's appearance. Finally, I, I didn't even know she was still alive. Um, then um, one thing I wanted to mention about the conversation between, this is really, I mean, I think it's a real testament to uh, Kirby's writing. I think I like his writing. I like it better. I like reading his stuff than I do Stan Lee, and maybe I'm, I just have not been exposed to enough Stan Lee. I just feel like there's more brevity in Kirby's dialogue, even though it might be out of touch. I love it. I think it's great. It stands the test of time, and it's like timeless. I feel like it fits what he's trying to do with these characters too. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's supposed to be bigger than life. It's supposed to be non-human. It's supposed to give you a sense of the larger battle. Yeah. It's like complaining about the dialogue in the original Star Wars trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's corny, but it fits the world that was created. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the, my favorite dialogues and also artwork is in on page uh, fourteen, panels three and four where like Kanto is actually showing some admiration towards Mr. Miracle. He's all like, you know, Mr. if Mr. Miracle can function in the strange realm, so can his anti-grav gimmick. So he he's feels like Mr. Miracle can actually function anywhere and actually get out of this. And then Bart is all like, oh, are you, is this professional admiration? Granny, and, yeah. I'm sorry, Granny Goodness, sorry. Um, and then uh, Kanto is all like, pretty much says like, well, yeah, we're both, you know, it's like, I admire him because he's like me, you know, implies that. And Granny Goodness insults him by saying like, well, you're an assassin, Kanto. You kill people for reward, as in like putting him down. It's just, it's like a really interesting dialogue there where like Kanto, and then you could see it in Kanto's face, like the change in art. And I, I really, you really see that art of like, ugh, ugh. 
you know, yeah. getting insulted and it's interesting. I really like it. Now the the way Kirby draws the faces and the way Royer inks them in that four panel sequence is gorgeous too. Pa panel four, like the depth of feeling on these characters' faces again is just so lovely. Mm -hmm. There's so much there, and you could really get a sense of like Kanto's pride and his arrogance and his kind of self-centeredness too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you, I also feel like Granny's Granny is sort of tempted to at least respect him, but can't quite. You know, she's like resisting her. She she wants to be attracted to him in a way, but she just can't. Well, I mean, also she mentions like you're gonna kill me so if, if they tell you you're probably gonna kill me. You charming swine! I love that charming swine. I mean, that's. She's attracted and repulsed all at the same time. Yeah. He's going to kill her and he's going to pretend to love her all at the same time. Yeah. It's a really good issue. Yeah, I was going to call out that sequence too. Once again, Scott fighting defensively, more in the classically feminine style. Once again, Barta attacks in the more masculine style mm -hmm. with guns ablazing, punching people, throwing people around. Again, we're seeing this, and we get this inversion of the gender, traditional gender roles here. Oh yeah. Also, uh, can we call out uh, my favorite character of this issue, Guillotina? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Let's talk about that little sequence. Yeah. So Guillotina was asked out on a date by one of these soldiers, and she she's repulsed by him, but uses him to get to where Scott is at and kills him supposedly, right? Like Guillotina. But he's still alive because he's saying, uh... Oh, all right, okay. So at least at that moment, he's still alive. I thought she, like, broke his neck or something. It looks like it, but it, yeah. But Guillotina is one of, um, one of Barda's soldiers who's, like, a badass. I get the impression she used him in the past. Mm -hmm. He was, like, this, the, the convenient sexual object that she could take, she could take command of. And then once he was no use to her anymore, yeah, I think she did, like, crack his neck. They're, like, it almost feels like they're kind of like the Amazonians, like uh, like Wonder Woman. Like, I almost feel like they're the same type of character, like, same type of soldiers. I think that's exactly right. Because, like, well, first of all, Barter's, like, seven feet two or something. Yeah. <laughs> right? She's the size of an Amazon. Is she, is she seven? She fights like an Amazon. She's got amazing fighting skills and all her... Friends and allies do also. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, I think I think that's a great analogy. Yeah, Matt Harriet, you could see on page nineteen, panel three, like just cracking someone's neck with her legs. I was gonna say, you see everyone's fighting styles there. Right, yeah. you got Stampa stomping the guy. You got whoever oh. that is in the background <laughs> shooting a guy. Like they, the they've all got their own thing. Mm. Yeah. and that's that so Kirby because it's like Kirby saying yeah I'm going to create a whole slew of characters and they're all going to have their own little gimmick and he probably just sat there one day and just sketched them all out in like an hour mm -hmm. so, okay this character's going to do this this character's going to do this and like there you go and of course we see Kirby crackle on page 20 which is awesome yes you don't go without an issue without seeing Kirby crackle that's a beautiful sequence, too, mm -hmm. where Scott's running from the fire, and then he's in the middle of the fire. 
and that pointing hand at him over the Kirby crackle. <laughs> Defiance will earn you no mercy. Burn, burn. Yeah, I love this issue. So it was fun. It's a lot of fun. I every time I go into it, I'm all like, oh, I'm gonna read another kid stuff, and then I realize, like, oh no, I love it. The art's great. The female characters are awesome. It's cool. So why do you think Barda doesn't want to be called a traitor? Because isn't she a traitor? She says, I'm the purest, most superior product you've ever turned out. And she's defending Scott. But isn't she a traitor against Granny? I don't quite get her argument. I think that from my standpoint, is like, it's the thing that I've been kind of thinking about, about Apocalypse, is that like there are rules to it like soldier like there are rules and ethics to a soldier and she abides by all of them and i feel like you know i feel like traitor i I don't think she's i mean she doesn't think she's a traitor because she she abides by all those soldier rules like battling you know the honor and battle you know all those things and she's not afraid of anyone so she doesn't feel like the traitor would be doing something out of fear and she doesn't have the fear. So I, don't know, I guess she's just an honorable general, you know? That's how I read it too. She's staying true to herself. She'd be a, the only way she could be a traitor is if she wasn't who she is at her core. Mm-hmm. And really the only thing that really broke her was love. Well, love is part of her. Love for uh, Scott. Yeah. But that's that's the core of who she is. The, the the scene on page twenty-five, panel three, when they're looking each other in the eye and she has got a tear rolling down her cheek. That's like I don't know, it shows such a complicated character to her. You'd think that someone who fights like that wouldn't have a lot of empathy. But previous panel, she has this huge smile on her face. She's so happy, she pulls Scott's mask off. Like she can't wait to to like see his face again. She she's desperate to see his face, and then she's got a tear rolling down her face because you had a rough time. I can see it. What they do to you? Like she's legitimately worried for him. She's such a complicated character. Yeah. It's not a sign of weakness that she loves Scott or that she was worried for Scott. It's a sign of her strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also like that Scott has empathy for the lump. Poor Lump, he screamed and fled from the realm of the id. He's stuck and paralyzed in thought and body. Eternal fear of facing his true self. So really, like, they had a physical battle, but Scott really has convinced the id that his emotional life is more important, or his psychological life is more important. And their real his real terror isn't that he's stuck inside the id, it's that he has to live this life as someone who we can't look in the mirror. And I just think that's such a interesting way of looking at the characters. It's a good issue. And they walk off and then they forget about their all the friends that, that risked their life to save them. <laughs> that's the only thing. It's like, why can't we get some more of these characters? What? Why can't we see their friends? I want to say one thing. I I checked, and this issue is avail- is available on the artist edition. So they actually have the artwork for this issue. I wonder if that page that we're talking about is on there. Oh, that's interesting. That'd be great to see. So I'm really curious to talk about number nine with you, especially compared to the Pact and the other flashback stories in New Gods. 
-hmm. because um it's a great compliment to it it's a fascinating story i love this cover when i first started reading comics as an adult which is like 2009 i used to go to this comic book shop and the comic shop owner actually looked like this face on this cover <laughs> i just want which face the like, lump scott's face no scott's in issue number nine oh, okay the next one that we're going to talk about okay not the lump yet there are like, a lot of, a lot wow. of that look like the what lump an insult, to, what an insult to the other comic shop owner yeah well this one's not too pretty either but you know this is scott getting beat up but we'll see i'm looking forward to the next issues uh, another story of young scott free me too, Amir. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you.